Hey, this is Hunter Thompson, the host of the Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast and managing principal of ASIM Capital. And you're tuned into Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. It's kind of like investing, right? You you put in the work and then it you can reap the rewards ongoing, you know, while you sleep. I'm selling books while I sleep. I mean, obviously the money that I'm making off book sales is inconsequential to me, but the value is, you know, I'm building relationships while I sleep. I'm growing my network while I sleep. I, I think that's you know, fantastic about a book. And now a word from our sponsor, High Rise Capital. High Rise Capital is a boutique commercial real estate investment firm that helps high-income professionals, high-net-worth individuals, and family offices obtain above-average returns with reduced volatility and tax efficiency from high-quality commercial real estate investments. High Rise Capital helps clients achieve meaningful investment returns, generate multiple streams of income, and participate in investments that enhance lives and provide a tangible societal benefit. To learn more about High Rise Capital, please visit their website and download their free ebook more doors, more profits, both of which you can find in the show notes. Thank you. This is Dream Chasers, episode 134 with Robert Beardsley. Hey guys. Hi, Grandma. This is Adam Carswell, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. On Dream Chasers, we bring next level talent to the light. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get straight to the interview. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, and today I'm joined by Rob Beardsley. Rob is the founder of Lone Star Capital. He was born and raised in Atherton, California, went to Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, which is cool. It's not too far from where I went to school, and now kind of lives in New York, Manhattan. He's calling in from San Jose, California today. That He does live in, in Manhattan. Really cool background coming your way here, guys. But before I do that, Rob, just want to flip it over to you real quick. Thank you for coming on the show. And do you have any opening remarks for my listeners? Thanks for having me and, and real excited to uh, discuss this topic. I think it's a unique one. Yeah. So guys, before we get into the topic of today's discussion, I first met Rob when he presented to, I mention this on the show all the time. There's a, a group that Hunter Thompson and I teach at ASIM Capital. It's called the Cashflow Connections Mentorship Program. And anyone who goes through the program has access to networking calls that we do within our community. And one of the recent networking calls that we did, we had Rob come on and you know speak a little bit about his book, which we're going to talk about here today. He did an entire underwriting presentation with us. It was, you know, just a great all-around experience. So got to connect with Rob that way, kept in touch, started noticing on LinkedIn, you know, not only was he beginning to create a name for himself, come across as, you know, really a thought leader. And Rob, I didn't tell you this yet, but I mean, you're putting together like some high quality production videos too. Like, I'm not sure who your camera guy is, but like, that's a nice camera and a cool setup that you've got going on. So actually probably going to talk about that a little bit here today, but this is guys, this is the, the story piece right here. I don't know how deep down this rabbit hole will go today, but I'm talking to Rob. I'm like, yeah, so like, you know, when did you graduate from college or whatever? And he starts telling me, and you know, long story short, I think you said you were, were going to graduate between 2018 and 2020. Ended up just saying, you know, forget it. <laughs> like you got your business up and running. And out, you know, my mind was just blown because I'm thinking this whole time since getting to know Rob, he was at least my age. I didn't know he's 23. Guys, you know, I'm 29. So it's going to be really interesting to hear his take on what he's doing today. You know, really, I would just say all around inspiring. So Rob, flip it back to you here real quick. Could you kind of fill in the blanks on that backstory? You know, being in being college, being in university, sounds like you were following the traditional path. And then you found yourself in a situation where it was just like, whoa, I can do my own thing right now. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah. So it kind of goes to my DNA of always wanting to be highly purpose-driven 
And I never like to do things for the sake of it or, you know, just to pass the time. Basically, growing up, I always played football very competitively, and it was my goal to be recruited to play football. I eventually was recruited to play football at Carnegie Mellon. But when I arrived, I just realized that it was a D3 football program. There was so much more to the college experience, and I couldn't see myself committing that much passion, time, and effort to something that at the end of the day wasn't going to be really furthering my purpose. It felt that football had ran its course. And so, you know, pretty much right as I stepped foot on campus, I quit what was my identity. I was a football player and that's, that's who I was. So I kind of, a piece of my identity died, you know, during that period. And so then I was in a period of, you know, finding the next purpose and and going deeper down the, the, the layers. Like you said, follow the traditional path, you know, did well in high school, went to you know, a good school studying computer science. Right. And, yeah. Let's keep you know, in mind CMU is not easy to get into. <laughs> right. So, you know, coming from the Sil- coming from Silicon Valley where it's very tech focused, you know, going to a great school for engineering and computer science, you know, thinking that I would exit and, and go, you know, potentially back to Silicon Valley and take a tech job at one of the, one of the big tech firms or consulting gig. But again, it goes back to that purpose. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And, you know, I was always passionate about investing in my free time at school, I just circled back to investing and, and whether that be stocks, real estate, I just started going down rabbit holes of, of research, you know, to fill in more gaps of the story. My family that, you know, have a real estate background for 30 years. So I grew up in a real estate family. Both of my parents worked from home. So I just overheard them on the phone making deals all day long. So I really absorbed a lot of real estate knowledge, you know, whether I knew it or not, I was kind of immersed in real estate from from the beginning. So in college, I circled back to it, started researching, pursuing, building the network, as I think is so important. Uh, Like you said, finally felt that I was kind of doing both at once, school and running my business. And then the business became so time consuming and felt like such a strong opportunity that I thought, well, I mean, this is a no brainer risk to take. If I fail, I could just go back to school and become a kid again. But here's my chance to go and succeed at something and, and really push on this purpose slash passion. Right. And as you mentioned, so you, you grew up in a real estate environment, which you know sounds like certainly helped and paid off. But, you know, I'm sure there is another listener out there, probably similar to your shoes, but maybe didn't grow up with the real estate background that is starting to realize like, whoa, I can start my own business now. Sounds like real estate might be a good avenue if someone like Rob can, can pull it off. How do I get started and how do I position myself to do the same thing? You know, what would, what would be your answer to someone who's in a university out there right now? Yeah, it's definitely not rocket science. So it's all about networking, like I mentioned. You know, really, I think, and as cliche as that sounds, it's the truth because networking both brings you the relationships that are an absolute must, but it also brings you a lot of knowledge quickly, especially if you're willing to be honest, transparent with people and ask questions when you don't know something, right? A lot of people want to pretend they know everything, then they don't learn anything. And so I think networking is a very powerful aspect. So, you know, when I was in school, I started hosting meetups and I would, you know, reach out to people on bigger pockets, meetups.com. I would just start getting involved in that space and then attending conferences across the country, you know, really just trying to meet all the players and, and learn as quickly as I could. I love it. I love it. All right. So speaking of meeting all the players, you know, guys, Rob authored a book that Hunter highly endorses, which is not, it's not easy to get that endorsement. I'll tell you that right now. So we're going to start talking about that here now. It's time to shift gears. It is now time to step into the next level chamber. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go. The topic of today's discussion is how to author a book 
that quenches the thirst of your niche. And I say that because Rob's book was very focused. It was very niche driven. As far as I could see, you know, you can, you can help us clarify here a little bit today, Rob, but it, has, it revolves around the world of underwriting. And it's a really, um, the word I'm looking for here is, but basically a lot of people are starting to model after how Rob has explained what he does in his book. So Rob, if you could share with us, um, you know, first of all, let's just get it in here, where anyone listening can go to get a copy of the book. And we're going to plug this probably a few times throughout the interview, but just want to make sure we get it out there first. And then um, we'll start talking about, you know, where the inspiration came from. Yeah. So you can uh, check out the book on Amazon. It's The book is called The Definitive Guide to Underwriting Multifamily Acquisitions. If you just type in multifamily underwriting, that should also bring it right up. So yeah, Amazon's the best way to go. Oh, there you go. The definitive guide to underwriting multifamily acquisitions. Type that in on Amazon, guys. So as I mentioned, inspiration, where did the idea at age 23 come where you're like, you know, what? I'm going to write a book. <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, I'm 29. I still haven't written my first book yet. So I want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. So really, when I started out in the multifamily business, I gravitated to the underwriting side of the business because I'm a very analytical, you know, kind of that computer science background. And so, you know, very numbers driven. So the underwriting is what I was attracted to initially. As I was learning underwriting and, and trying to understand the business better, I looked around for resources, whether that be models to download, books to read, articles, videos, and I just didn't really find anything that hit on exactly what I was looking to learn. When I went through that process, I told myself, well, once you figure this out, you're going to write a book that's going to lay it all out in plain English and break down every single detail. I was very surprised to see that that book didn't already exist, right? It's such a simple, straightforward book, yet such a big void in the business. And I think there's a few reasons for that. I think some people are nervous and don't really actually want to put all their cards on the table and show you exactly how they underwrite and what they're thinking because, hey, maybe one of your assumptions or one of your the ways that you're thinking about something is wrong or you know you just don't want to put yourself up to that scrutiny so i think there's definitely that angle and then the other angle would be the the piece of secret sauce you know some people think that underwriting there's a magic to it and and that they've got their secret sauce you know i'm here to tell you i do not believe in that at all i think anybody can become proficient at underwriting in you know less than 6 months one of the big reasons why i wrote the book is i saw the biggest mistake a lot of people were making with underwriting is they simply were not underwriting, you know, especially Mm. on the passive investor side. Passive investor looks at a shiny pitch deck and says, okay, I'm in. And I thought that was wrong. And, you know, I encourage every passive investor that I speak with and say, hey, you know, you should have some underwriting process in place. It, It doesn't have to be as detailed as a sponsor, but it should be some process. So that, you know, that says a lot right there, because at first glance, it sounds like the book might be for someone who's on the active side or someone who's looking to improve their underwriting skills. Yeah, on that side of the business. But the passive investor side is very important, too. It's reverse engineering your experience to make sure you make the right choice. I mean, what has that been like for you now? Are you uh, are you seeing who's who's buying the book? Who, who's kind of like the number one person going with Definitely Rob Beardsley? sponsors. Yeah, okay. sponsors are are absolutely uh, buying the book, and I think you know the, the the free model that I give out is highly complimentary. You know, and and to plug that real quick, if you want to learn more about that, head to robbeardsley.me. There you can get a free download of my underwriting model that I use in our business every single day to analyze properties. So a lot of sponsors, especially if they're getting started, right? The book plus that model is just such an amazing way for them to just dive right into the business, start underwriting deals today, and and really have the confidence that they're they're doing it right because the spreadsheet is nothing without the knowledge of application. 
Yeah. What do you think was like, I know you kind of mentioned you were looking in the marketplace and you realized like, whoa, there's, there's nothing to meet this need right now. What are some other key things to pay attention to when authoring a book that really zone in on the niche? Because I think a lot of our listeners are similar to myself, you know, someone who wants to author a book and wants to make an impact, but sometimes it's like, man, I don't know where to start. How do I identify that vacancy in the first place? What was something that you did to help find that? Yeah, I think I think I got pretty lucky there. I mean, that's a pretty big vacancy, like you said, but I really like the way that you phrase it or put it with, you know, in terms of the the niche, right? This kind of happened to me on accident, but I think this is the best way to go. And you can see examples of this throughout many businesses and, and you know thought leaderships where a topic or a person will start very specific. And then as they grow their following, as they grow their brand and create more content, their content can then get more and more general and apply to a larger audience, right? It's hard to kind of catch fire if you're just going to write a general book. But if you if you do go really specific, I think that's going to have a, a better chance of catching fire and being a success. And then, you know, the next book you write or piece of content you put out could be a little more broad. And that's, that's kind of what I have in my head now. Now that's my plan, you know, multifamily underwriting, that's a pretty narrow scope. And, you know, the next book I write, I'm planning to be on a broader topic and hopefully I can make the book more successful in terms of the reach it has and, and whatnot. But I think it would be a mistake for me just to want to go and write that New York Times bestseller right off the bat and, you know, and apply to every single person in, in the world. Right. And from what I recall, I mean, the book is pretty straightforward, pretty simple too. It's not like a Harry Potter <laughs> type of read, right? Yeah. And I mean, I'm always a no fluff guy. And, you know, if, if it can be said in, you know, hundred pages, then it should only be a hundred pages. And so that's, that's what I, that's what I did. Is it kind of, so now I'm hearing, cause you're, you're talking about your next book, which definitely uh, we'll, we'll all keep on the radar now is authoring a book kind of like getting a tattoo. Like once you, once you get one, once you do one, you just want to get more. <laughs> it, it is It kind of, it's a, it's a very nice process, you know, because you get the final product, which you can be very proud of and, and it's tangible and it's kind of like investing, right? You, you put in the work and then it, you can reap the rewards ongoing, you know, while you sleep. I'm selling books while I sleep. I mean, obviously the money that I'm making off book sales is inconsequential to me, but the value is, you know, I'm building relationships while I sleep. I'm growing my network while I sleep. I, I think that's you know, fantastic about a book. Going more to the thought leadership perspective now too, what do you see on the horizon for yourself outside of, I guess, book publishing? Because as I mentioned, you're doing a lot more with video now. I'm not sure, apologize if, if I missed this, but I wouldn't be surprised if you already have a podcast or getting ready to launch one. Give some, uh, some advice for people out there who are just starting their thought leadership adventure too and share kind of like what you're seeing as successful. Yeah, so thought leadership is something that I honestly resisted for a long time. I thought, ah, you know, that doesn't sound, you know, people already have podcasts and people have already, you know, made the videos. Why do I need to do that? And I, I felt that I could just, you know, essentially shortcut that process and I don't know, somehow be successful without it. But I've really come to understand that it's such a huge factor for success and, and to supercharge to get there faster. And so the advice that I would give for thought leadership is, is starting with one thing and getting, building that up, getting proficient at that. And then slowly adding things on. So the way that I started was monthly newsletter, which is where I would spend time and I would write an article and hopefully it was a good article and it wasn't really meant to just kind of be pumping out content. It was more thoughtful on a monthly basis. And so started just with the articles and then slowly started adding on more things. It started becoming a guest on podcasts 
And then now I've more recently started my own podcast, uh, which has been a lot of fun. And then also doing the videos, which I think just in terms of uh, social media, like LinkedIn and Facebook, they get great engagement. So I think videos, you know, are better than articles and all that good stuff. So yeah, just slowly adding on all the all the different layers. And we're going to take a moment here to, to plug the plug the product one more time. So actually, first, you said people can go check out your website, which is robertbeardsley.me. Yeah. So, so the website, my, my personal website where you could pretty much find out about my podcast, the book, okay, the articles, cool. everything is robbeardsley.me. You know, we've got free giveaways there. I recently wrote an ebook called the Preferred Equity Manifesto. So that's totally free. And then also the model that we discussed is free. And then on Amazon, you can go ahead and buy the definitive guide to underwriting multifamily acquisitions. There we go. Um, cool. So one more question for you here and then get ready to close it out. As far as what you're working on in your world right now, so entering into 2021, who are you looking to network with? Who do you want this interview? What ears do you want this interview to land on? You know, And how can they work with you? Yeah, I'm always looking to network with other sponsors, you know, we, we have multiple ways in our business that we can partner with sponsors. So we're looking to, to meet more sponsors. We're looking to always grow our relationships with capital providers, whether that be more of a, of a retail investor or a family office or an opportunity fund. You know, so we work with diverse pools of capital. I'd say that's pretty much it. What type of asset classes are you mostly interested in right now? For now, we're just focused on multifamily. So on the acquisition side, we focus on Texas garden style multifamily. And then on the preferred equity side, we're providing preferred equity to other multifamily sponsors. We're more geographically flexible because in a preferred equity position, we're just essentially partnering and providing the capital, but we don't have day-to-day management responsibility. So that's why we're more uh, flexible on the market there. Love it. All right, Rob. Well, this has been great. I say this often on the show, but I mean, I definitely feel like I could interview you for another 30 minutes if we had to do it, but we're going <laughs> to cap it here soon. Real quick though, if you could give a shout out to one person you've never given a shout out to before, who would that one person be? Well, this is easy for me because I don't uh, give shout outs all the time. So there's a lot of people that I haven't shouted out. I think it makes sense for me to shout out my, my business partner, Kent Petrakovsky. We both founded Lone Star Capital about three years ago. It's definitely like everyone's journey has been interesting and, and now we're dealing with COVID today and all this and that. So, but yeah, we've, we've never had an argument and I think that's probably rare for any relationship, let alone a, a, a business relationship where there's a lot of stress, a lot of action. So I'm very thankful. Awesome. Shout out to Kent. Um, where, where is he at right now? Is he in New York? Is he in Cali? New York. All right. Well, yeah, guys, make sure you go check out Lone Star Capital Group. I guess we'll have anyone listening, one, check out your Lone Star website. We'll get another one last plug here for your website in the book. Outside of that, is there a preferred way to contact you? Yeah. If you want to reach out to me directly for anything, feel free to email me, rob at lonestarcapgroup.com. The Lone Star website is, is the same as email, lonestarcapgroup.com. And again, the personal website with kind of your home base for everything is robbeardsley.me. And check out the book on Amazon, The Definitive Guide to Underwriting Multifamily Acquisitions. Boom. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone who's listening right now. I hope whether you're, you know, you're 23 or 53, you found value in Rob and what he's doing and provided you some inspiration. I know for me, um, as I've kind of joked on the show now, I got I to gotta start working on my book. He's ahead of me right now. <laughs> so Rob, any, any closing remarks? This, is, this has been great. No, that's it. I mean, I think you know, the topic was writing a book to quench yeah, the me, thirst. Let me, let me swing it back here for you. <laughs> How to author a book that quenches the thirst of your niche. That's what you did. 
I think, you know, we could probably do definitely another few episodes on that topic and drill deeper. That's very interesting. Yeah, I can't wait to write the next one. Love it. All right, guys, well, make sure you go connect with Rob. Thank you for tuning in and investing your time with us here today on Dream Chasers, Interviews with the Future. We will catch you in the next episode. Remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level. Thank you so much for investing your time with us here today. Quick call to action. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to share, subscribe, or leave us a rating. It really helps a ton with the SEO and visibility of the show. Thank you guys once again, and remember, take it to the next level.